episode 297, Cloak and Dagger, season 2, episode 8, Two Player. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery. I'm here with Stu, Agent Lestu from the UP. Hey, how's it going, guys? I, I don't get to talk about the uh, uh, Agents of Shields episodes, but this cloak and dagger stuff is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and um, and so you know the schedule that I started last week, um, we're already breaking it. So <laughs> schedules were meant to be broken, Ben. I, I That's don't know. What they say. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that, but schedules are okay to be broken. Let's put it that way. Um, this is just the way it fell down. Is uh, Stuart was available. Stewart has seen Cloak and Dagger, but not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> and uh, Samantha is available later, and she has seen Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I'm not sure about Cloak and Dagger, but well, th- this is the way well, it went down. Kinda, it's kind of nice because this is very, you know, it, we get to deep dive into stuff and continue threads of conversation and all that. So, works out. Yeah. Yep. So, this is what we're doing. And... Yeah, this episode is called Two Player, and I don't, uh, oh, if there's any news to talk about, I can't remember if we talked about Hulu taking over Disney. No, Disney taking over Hulu. (laughs) That's that's the direction it goes in. (laughs) Disney takes over everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was the there was a bunch of layoffs at Disney Fox, which kind of makes sense. Well, I don't know if it's happened yet. Right. The, the the articles that I saw was that they were predicting a big layoff coming soon. Which, let's be honest, you have two megalithic entities joining. You don't need three CEOs of finance. No, no. It'll it'll be interesting to see how it all all shakes out. Um, but there was the casting news about um, Falcon or the the Falcon. Uh, Winter Soldier series. Yeah, that's true. It's looking more and more like it's definitely going to be in the Captain America lane of Avengers yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's that – I don't know. when There was a comic run of um, Sam getting the shield, mm-hmm. and that was a really good comic run. I really liked it. Yeah, the only comic that I read that was along that run – when it was happening was actually one where it had Captain America and Sam and Bucky. And it was like the, the three guys who had been Captain America or three of the guys. Right. There's been a lot over time, but cause everybody's picked up the shield at some point. Yeah. You don't have to be worthy to pick up the shield. You just pick <laughs> it up, use it, throw it away, let someone else pick it up. Yeah. And then, and then yell at that. That doesn't belong to you. <laughs> Yeah, so no, so the the casting is um uh, uh Emily a- Van Dyne, Agent Dan, thirteen, Agent thirteen, Sharon Carter, um so Peggy's niece. Mm-hmm. Spoilers for Civil War, I guess. 
Mm. We should have maybe said that. Oh, we've talked about it on the show, so therefore it can work. Yep. Never mind. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be good. And we'll, who's the other one? Uh, Zemo. The guy oh. who played Zemo. Yeah. Oh. And, and I didn't. He's I the only. I connected that. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that's think, why I say definitely in the Captain America lane. Yeah. So do you think it's going to be pre-snap? Well, post-end game. The way they're talking about it, it sounds like it's post-end game. I mean, it makes sense. One of the people talking about it made it sound like it was going to deal with Sam after he was given the shield. Uh, but then you look at the casting, and it's like, wow, that is straight out of uh, Winter Soldier and and right. civil war and yeah i so I we'll mean, see we'll see what happens with that because at the end of civil war he's not dead zemo's not gone he's in jail yeah he wanted to be dead he was going to commit suicide and that's and one of those black panther that's that's a great to me that's one of the greatest moments in the mcu is when black panther does not let him commit suicide right i, I just think it's a great moment and it's an awesome idea to play with you know because now you have such a rich history with zemo and sam and steve and all them and then sharon carter and bucky's gonna be in it too so i mean you've got that comic thread moving through plus it's a spy thriller it's gonna be a spy thriller yeah actually the whole movie is going to be uh bucky and sam sitting in the back of that car (laughs) watching all the stuff happen right right and and talking about it it's just them watching Steve Rogers use the shield and and make out with Sharon Carter. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 it's, it's them podcasting about Winter Soldier. <laughs> is what it is. So guys, we're in Germany. Sitting and... in the back of the car again. Glad I brought my microphone. Got it through uh, customs. Yep. I'm using an iPod because no, Ben, it's not going to be that. Hey, let's talk about uh, Cloak and Dagger now. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, Another really, really good episode. This is the seventh episode, and I believe Mm -hmm. a 10-episode run for season two. Uh, And so we are, you know, we're closing in on on the the end of some of these arcs here, uh, and a lot is happening, and a lot happens in this episode. Um, Relationship stuff happens, and yeah. The opening of this episode is really interesting. It's, It's a pinball machine. And we got a ball bouncing back and forth. And then you have a man with a face painted to kind of look like a skull who sees a figurine of cloak and says, well, who are you? Who might you be? And meanwhile, dagger is holding Tyrone's body. He looks, he reminds me of Dr. Facilier from princess and the frog. He absolutely does. He he definitely is is along the lines of a, a voodoo person a voodoo character yeah and yeah he i i mean with this cold open we have no context of what is this what's going on here and uh and we find out that cloak tyrone actually is in danger there's he's in very real danger of of dying which which is where it gets really interesting here um so Act One sets up all of our other things here. We got Bridget he's and the other in cops. Danger of dying. 
Oh, what? sorry. I was going to say he's in danger of dying because of the gunshots at the very end of the last episode, right? No, this uh, it's uh, it's something else, I think. I mean, okay. maybe maybe the gunshots are kind of that but they're they're spiritual gunshots, you know, like the thing that happened last episode, no, thing that happened two episodes ago. Cuz last episode he was fine. But the thing, the 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 gunshots were in Tandy's dreamland, dream world. Two episodes ago, last episode, Tyrone was doing all that stuff to to get her back and to find her. And then he just collapsed at the end, right? right. Okay. And they collapsed okay. into the position that they were at in her dreamsland when she right. dreamed, or when he was killed in her dream. And so I thought, oh, we're just jumping back into the dream. But no, there's very real danger here. It's not mm-hmm. gunshot danger. It's something else. Um, so with Act 1, it sets up everybody. So Bridget and the other cops are investigating what happened at the motel. Meanwhile, Leah and Andre steal a car and get out of there. Uh, Avita opens the store and doesn't see Auntie and... She gets a call from Tandy asking for help, and so she leaves without seeing that Auntie is laying on the floor in the store or in the back area, um, dead. And then uh, Ty, he's in the church. He's in a cloud of smokiness, and that's where, like, this is where he's in danger of dying, but it's not a physical bullet situation. It's a spiritual smoky situation. And uh, Avita comes to help and says he's he's transitioning. He's stuck. He's stuck between fight or flight. And to get him unstuck, they have to go inside and get him. And they need to connect with Papa Lagba, which is Auntie's husband, because she's a mamba, right? Is that what they That's call what them? they say. Yeah, they call her a mamba. And they're going to need an offering. And so Bridget and Tandy are going to go in to the smoke of the cloak. And then the other setup that we have here is Adina visiting Father Delgado, who he is at a recovery center. And she's like, hey, I need you to help me because I can give this folder to you. You can turn it into the police. And as a priest, you don't have to reveal where it came from because of clergy confidentiality but if she turns it in they're gonna ask questions so that's where everybody starts this episode out and i'm really curious i mean obviously the thing you're most curious about is tyrone what's gonna happen there yeah uh but they they set it all up i'm also really curious what's going on with leah and andre and man that gets bad Yes, it does. That gets bad. And I'm glad to see Dr. – or not Dr. Uh, – Father Delgado back. Um, he it is a very interesting character. Yeah, and in this, he reveals – I mean, he he has killed someone. Mm-hmm. And part of his own penance for this – the killing that happened is that he was going to help uh, Tyrone, and Tyrone slipped through. You know, and, and that's very – that's not uncommon. I mean, 
you have these different every different job has different styles of, of of people who want to be a part of that job for different reasons and and for him uh it's not unusual to have someone who i want to help people because i hurt people in the past and i can't fix what i did in the past but i can help other people who you know and it's just it's just not uncommon now he's in a situation where he has gone through his addiction and is seeming to come out on the other side. But he doesn't consider himself a priest anymore. Well, yeah, he fell. He fell hard. And it's going to take getting back up and you know, figuring out whether or not he actually is receiving that call anymore. Yeah. Well, let's talk about them because that's a very easy plot line to kind of talk through. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to do it because he's he says he's not a priest anymore. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but he does reveal that he has to have faith that this world and that we can get better. And so he decides, okay, I will do this. And he takes confession from Adina because he says, you know what? There's only confidentiality if this is given to me in the form of a confession. And so he's, really he's working hope, the system. <laughs> I, yeah. I really hope that is a, a, a loophole that they found, not one that they made up. You know what I mean? Well, it actually is not a loophole. Um, there is, there's client confidentiality. Client and the, you know, yeah. I watched Daredevil. I know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it, it really is something where you know, just because you tell a priest something, you know, it's confidential if it's told to you in the situation that's intended to be confidential, you know? And so mm-hmm. if a priest overhears something at a restaurant, you know, it doesn't, it's not automatically confidential just because he's a priest sure, and yeah. he happened to hear you say to someone else, yeah, man, totally wasted that guy with my gun. You know, it's, <laughs> if that guy's, if that guy's admitting it in a public restaurant, he's like at the bar he's like at Josie's and, and the priest from, from Daredevil walks in and is like, hey, how's it going? And the guy's like, yeah, I shot somebody. That guy deserves to go to jail. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. So this is not a loophole. I I think that he uses it as a loophole to like leverage a little bit of power over her because she's, she's coming true. on strong. That's true. I mean, I, I can see where he he was able to use that as a, well, hold up. I need to push back a little bit on this and, you know, get the ball back in my court. I get that. And it goes along with some of the themes of like when they're going into the cloak and they have to, they have to pay mm-hmm. uh, Papa log. I mean, there's a, there's a uh, price and for him it's sweets, but the, you get the idea here that there's a price to me helping you with this issue and the confession then. And the confession was interesting because it wasn't like in a in a church or anything like that. It was just in a, on two sides of a wall. Yeah. But so they had the they had that imagery, right? Yeah, yeah. But more interesting is oh, yeah. what the confession was like. <laughs> did you expect this? Because I certainly did not. Mm-mm. She shot Connors. She got everything from him, and then she shot him. Which is interesting that it happened off screen. Very interesting. So, so if we're going to go back to the comic book, you know, trope, there's no dead body. 
We haven't seen a body yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, no body, no, no death. So I'm still holding out for zombie Sitwell. Man, Sipple's dead, <laughs> dude. <laughs> you hear the body crunch. Okay. We need to have. We need to do a shirts. We need to do shirts. And on the front it says, "I'm still holding out for zombie Sitwell." And on the back it said, "Man, Sitwell's dead." That needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, I I just don't see a, a hashtag for Sitwell in the same way of a uh, Colson lives kind of thing. But no, okay. <laughs> especially, especially not after Hail Hydra. And so is Connor's dead? Probably, probably, probably. You know, which is interesting. He wouldn't be dead if he didn't try to do the right thing. Yeah, he, he would not be dead if he was if he just when he came back from that realm, he just went on the run. You know, well, if if he is truthful in what he's saying about the uh, about the 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 realm, you know, being so lonely and examining everything and all that sort of stuff, then he he had no choice than to tell and just face the consequences. And I would imagine that his consequences would include being shot or at least dying. I don't know if he, I don't know if he was like, you know what's the worst thing I could get shot by the mom. Okay. That's probably bad. Like, I don't think he thought that, but no, I, I think he thought he was going to see it through to the end, which he did uh, kind of, <laughs> I mean, he saw it through to his end, for sure. Yeah, um, I mean... But I thought he was going to be around longer, and... You know, here's the thing. You know, there's consequences, and there's natural consequences. And this is one where he put himself at the mercy of someone who desired yeah. revenge. And the, well, the natural consequence there... Here's the thing. It, it was an honorable moment for him. Mm -hmm. He did what he had to do to make things right, and then he, but it put himself in a position of, of, uh, he was completely vulnerable. Right. And Which is very, again, honorable and rather brave. I mean, you're right. He could have just walked away and never did or said anything again. So he did the right thing and she got justice. That's the, that's the thing. I do wonder if the reason she felt she had to do it was, that after all this, he still might walk free. Mm -hmm. You know, like there, there still may be a situation, you know, she's not Dr. Strange able to see, you know, all the 14 million possible situations, but she's looking at the situation at hand and she's thinking, okay, he could walk free from this. And he, I just, the thing is she kind of made herself out to be a liar kind of, uh, maybe need to think more about this, but she said, you have to show me that your value to Tyrone is greater than my desire for revenge for Billy. And, and then when he, and in reality, she got her cake and was, she able got to both. Eat it yeah. Too. Yeah. She got both. So the, the, I mean, we know that she is, um, so, but you would think that she has a little bit of a dirty past is what I'm trying to get to. Well, she alluded to it with mm -hmm. when they stole the car earlier and 
Yeah, I, I just and when she changed her vote and and all of that. Yeah, the the thing is, I see why she would do it, and I thought about oh. it. I, I thought it through. Like, what would I do if a violent crime was committed against someone in my family? You know, yeah, I would want justice. And I could see her having the fear that justice may not be served against this man because, yeah, he did the right thing. But does that mean you get to you know, dodge the consequences of your actions? Sometimes it does. Like in our criminal system, you can get a plea deal, you know, and OK, so, yeah, you, you killed a couple people, but you gave us information on this guy who's killed 50 people. And so we're going to put you in witness protection. And then his uncle being his uncle and all, and yeah, even though they got the file to get out of free jail, get out of jail free card, it's still a, you know, he's still a dirty guy. It's not like he can yeah. just, you know, be okay. I well, mean, and what if his uncle, you know, takes care of all the legal troubles, but then uh-huh. also takes care of Connors and has him taken care of? Right. She doesn't get to see justice. So. Here's a good question. What is the difference between what she did and what Punisher does? What's the difference? Uh, Nothing. (laughs) uh, Not really. Yeah, there's not really much of a difference. Uh, Other than the style of the show that they are in. (laughs) And the amount of blood and bullets. I'm assuming that there's probably one or two bullets in in what she did. Um, Yeah, I mean, no, it is... Absolutely. This is a life for a life, a tooth for a tooth, an eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. I want revenge because you hurt me by hurting mine. You took a life out well, of this world and you that I that you took a life out of this world that I brought into this world. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That yeah. I mean, that's it's one thing for a. I mean, don't I'm a dad. Right. And and my children, I would do pretty much, you know, everything for. But I still don't have that connection that their mom has, you know, that my wife has. And and because I am I, I didn't grow them in my body. <laughs> yeah. I, not to get too. No, I, 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 I like how you said that. The, I didn't grow them in my body. I didn't grow them. I mean, they're not, they're they're mine, but they're not. Like they're not mine. Well, I mean, they are. There, there is definitely a. There's definitely an emotional connection that fathers have with their children that no one else can have with them. But the mother connection is a different one. You're right. There is. There's nine months of that that body growing within the other body. There's nine months of physical connection Mm -hmm. that continues after birth. Mm -hmm. Very much so. I used. I always used to be jealous. Um, cause I would get waken up in the middle of the night because my wife's belly was touching me and I would feel the kicking, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, a couple times my children kicked me awake before they were even born. Um, <laughs> you know, now after they were born, they would like jump on me and it's a whole different thing. Uh, but I got, I got kicked in the face many times, <laughs> but I was jealous, you know, of that, just that, that that's a different kind of strange intimacy that I will never understand or experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had things move around in my belly, but that's <laughs> like something that, else. That, that on. one time where you went to the diner and, and you ate some, you ate the special <laughs> and then like you had a, an alien pop out of your belly. Is that, that you're talking about that time, Ben? <laughs> no, 
no, that okay. was that was something else altogether. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, I think that might be the first alien reference we've made on the show. No, it's not. Oh, because we talked it, about Ripley and all that. Yeah, yeah. A- alien is so ingrained in in <laughs> my fandoms that there's no way that this is the first alien reference that we've had. Well, especially with Sigourney Weaver being on Defenders. Right. I mean, I called her Ripley. Yeah. Many times. Okay. So just erase all that part. Anyway, go ahead. Let's go to the mall. Okay. (laughs) Let's go to the mall. The mall. So Tandy and Bridget jump through the smoke and they go to the place where the binoculars are and they look through the, the mechanical binoculars and for Tandy, the mall is gone and there's an arcade. And for Bridget, it's the mall. And she has a nice little moment there, though, with, with Fuchs. Where, now, this is Bridget, who is the, the passive one, not the aggressive <laughs> one. And, and she, but she has this nice little moment where you're not really him. And, and the guy's like, no, I'm not. And she's like, but it's nice to see you. And he says, yeah, it is. Um, and then she goes to the mall. So we've got a confrontation coming with Bridget and Mayhem. But for Tandy, she goes and meets Baron Samity, the guy from the cold open. He resides over the dead. And we get Bill and Ted's bogus journey where she challenges him to a game. And they, they play Battleship. And they no, they play Twister with death. Now, this is definitely the first Bill and Ted bogus journey reference we've made on the show. That it's is quite be. possible. That's quite possible. Yeah. So he doesn't do the bogus journey game, though. Instead, he says, you play his game. And if you can convince him to leave, you can both go. And so she goes over to his game. What's his game? It's a arcade video game. And it's called Dual... Uh, Duel to Despair, I think. Yeah, the Despair is spelled like D apostrophe S P Y R E or something weird. It's well, it's it's spelled like the the character from the comics. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so not that weird. <laughs> but the video game, it was Streets of Rage, man. It was it was all of those. It was Streets of Rage. It was Double Dragon. It was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was all of those. There was an X-Men side scroller. Well, it was a side scroller where there's a Mm -hmm. little bit of a 3D to it. You have a section of Mm -hmm. street and then Mm -hmm. you have the buildings there along the back. And you Mm -hmm. you have you're not just going left and right, but there's a little bit of up and down and Mm -hmm. you just punch and kick and pick up power ups. And if you were if you were Leonardo, you could um, use your bow staff. Yeah, exactly. Which, by the way, that Mutant Ninja Turtle game you're referencing, I spent with my friends. I'm not sure how many quarters my oh, friends my- put in, but six dollars. We beat the game. Yep. You could you beat the game on six bucks. Well, we were playing three of us. It was six dollars of my money. I'm not sure how much of their money went into oh, okay. it. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I. Spent way more than six dollars on that game. <laughs> way I, more, than yeah. $6. But uh, I didn't. That, that's the only time I ever like beat an arcade game. It was just my friends and I were there, and we're like, we're going to keep going, and we just kept going and going and going and going. 
and you mortgage the bicycle and, and we did it like give me give me more give me more we did it um, <laughs> did you ever play the x-men one yeah yeah i never got very far in that no that was a fun one though yeah especially if you got a bunch of people playing yeah that was a good one because that one had i think like I think there was like six terminals where you could get in six joysticks and have a bunch of people playing. It was cool. I mean, some of those were cool because the way that the the screen was, you were just kind of all around it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's very it was very communal. In this which, case, it's a two player game, which yeah. no surprise. That's the name of the, the episode is two player. Uh, so we're, we're getting to some runaways, literal titling here, but I really liked how they cut between the action on the video game and the action in the in you know the the for lack of a better term real life action mm-hmm. and how they sort of blended that in and back and forth and cut back and forth and you know did the cross cutting thing that was really interesting um and, and it makes me again sort of reference back to the vinyls and the and the imagery on the on the records that translates to me very well because I grew up, as we just discussed, playing all the double drag on sort of stuff. Does it translate to the young kids who they're trying to actually get into the show? I don't know. I think it does. They may not. Uh, the 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 arcade game may not resonate as much, but video games are, are yeah. huge. I mean, I mean, it, they may not have the the one to one. Um, connection to it, but they may, they most definitely would understand that that's a video game. Hey, if you are one of these people we're talking about, and by these people, I mean someone half my age, uh, me <laughs> being 44. So if you're 22 in there or lower, um, and you do, like, how does this resonate? Because I look at this and it's like, yeah, retro, because childhood. Right. You know, right. I look whereas at a 22 year old is going to look at it and be like, yeah, retro, as in before I was born so. yeah now now i will get this little caveat if you were from portland and you frequent ground control i still want to hear from you but i understand where you're coming from ground control in portland is a um retro arcade and they have that x-men game they have the teenage mutant ninja turtles game they have tetris an old tetris arcade game an old street fighter 2 box that's a cool place. Very cool. They're not sponsors of the show. <laughs> Cause there are no sponsors of the show, but um, okay. So here's the thing. This is an impossible challenge that Baron Samity just gave to her because have you ever tried to get any teenage boy who is zoned in on a video game to stop playing, to actually talk with you? Because no, you know, coming in at this, I come at, in at this from two spots. One is as having been that teenage boy and uh, let's be honest, the 40, a... yeah, the 44 year old boy who gets so zoned in on shadow of the Colossus or something like that, that if you want to talk to me, you're going to have to literally stand between me and the screen because I just get so zoned in. Now, do you have the third Ben who is the dad of the kid who's getting zoned in well, no, that's the second to... ben the second ben oh. is the dad of the kid who gets so zoned in now it's not necessarily he's it's Fortnite. i'll just throw it out there uh, my oldest son plays Fortnite 
a lot. And if he is into Fortnite, you have to literally get in between him and his screen, which means like crawling into his arms to get between him and his iPad so that he can see you and see your face and realize, yes, you are telling him it's time to do the dishes. And so from both of those perspectives, as the zoned in person and as the outsider trying to get into the zoned in person, Baron Samity has given her an impossible challenge. Right. With impossible an impossible result too, which is, wasn't it like you either win or you lose completely. She has to convince him to leave. And if she convinces Mm -hmm. him to leave, they can both go. If she doesn't, they don't. Um, The other cool thing is this video game that they're playing. He starts and it has their comic book origin. I was going to ask about that. All of the stuff that's going on there with the backstory for this cloak and dagger characters in this game is their original comic book origin. With the heroin Mm -hmm. smuggler and all that sort of stuff. All that stuff. That's cool. That is really cool. The other thing that's kind of cool is for Tyrone anyway, he loves this. It's a video game fight. There's no gray area. You fight and you win. And as you're fighting, another gang is not going to fill in the void and fill in the vacuum. And there's no innocence. that are going to get in the way of things. They fight, they win. That's it. Well, what's funny about that though, is (laughs) yes, another gang's not going to get in the, not going to fill the void and all that, but all of the guys are the same and they all just keep recycling, you know? So if you played Ninja Gaidon, you know that, all of the bad guys are anyone that's not you, but they just keep coming. They're faceless mobs. Right. But it's, it's simple. It's simplicity. Mm-hmm. It's video game violence. It's, uh, and this is, it's violence without consequence. Yes. You know, and, and, and that's the, the thing about video games. That's one of the big complaints about video games um, is that it's violence without consequence. And what are we showing and teaching our children as they're playing these video games? Uh, on the flip side of that, it's meant to be cathartic, you know, mm-hmm. cathartic, uh, where, you know, you can lash out in the video games in ways that you can't lash out in real life. And so in video games, you can punch bad guys. And I remember in college, it was, was it Streets of Rage? I think it was Streets of Rage. We played on Sega Genesis. And there was one time I was just so angry. I'm like, I just want to punch something. We turned on the video game. And in the video game, we punched lots of things and we started the the tone lightened and and the anger kind of lifted as I was punching these light pixels on the TV screen. <laughs> but not actually punching them because then you would have only been able to play the video game once. Right, right. But the, the point was I was not punching actual things and hurting my fist or punching actual people and hurting them and my fist. But it was – you know, this this cathartic thing where I was doing this, friends were there, we're yelling, we're shouting, we're cheering, and and the anger I won't say it completely lifted. I mean, there's still emotional residue from the situation we were in, but I do remember that being just this moment of, hey, let's do this. And And I and what the you know, what the what the scary bit about that is and and Tyrone they they do a good job of sort of explaining this, I think, is that, yeah, that's a cathartic thing, 
and we can go into Streets of Rage or Ninja Gaidon or whatever and punch things and get them you get that you know energy out. But if you stay there, that's where the problem comes in. You know, and, and yeah. If you stay in the escape, just like if you stay in the escape of alcohol or you stay in the escape of whatever else, you you've forgotten the 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 tenuous hold on reality. Right. Yes. And and that's where yeah, there's there's a cathartic no uh, whatever. <laughs> you have that element of things, but at the same time mm-hmm. you can't stay there. And you mm-hmm. do have to deal with the emotional residue and you do have to, you know, take care of business. And they're they're conquering level after level, but what is that doing for them? You know, and when they 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 punch through, and then they have to face the greatest enemy. They end up in the motel, and mm-hmm. the video game fight continues and continues, and they're defeating lackey after lackey after lackey. But then they hear a trumpet, and Andre shows up, and Tandy gives up. She hates the game, but Ty he's lo- he's tired of losing, and so what do we do here? Well, this is where reality seeps in, and that's Avita. Avita has to decide some things for herself. And and so Avita, as they're doing this, Avita is doing the, all the, the whole Veve thing and looking for a sign, um, gets a sign that she doesn't like to see. Well, it's because the sign was saying that Auntie is dead and Auntie is giving her the place as, as the Mambo. And I'm not Mamba. sure uh, – which 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 mambo do you think she is there, Stuart? Which I don't know if she's number five or not. <laughs> um, and to be fair, it's it's mamba, not mambo. Uh, well, which is is the joke mamba, or is the <laughs> am I getting the, the real word wrong? Dead, actually, is okay. really what it is. <laughs> okay. So she has been chosen. Auntie wants her to take this role. And she has a choice. She doesn't have to be the Mambo. But the thing is, if she doesn't do it, Ty's going to die. Right. And so she it's one of those things where I can't remember where this happened, what this was in, uh, where someone was forced into making. Oh, it was. Yeah. Uh, someone got fired from a job, but they weren't actually fired. They were kind of pushed into a situation where they had to resign. And so when someone said to the boss who did that, yeah, and then you fired her and the boss is like, no, we gave her a choice. Uh, but then the, the way that it was described back to the boss was, you know, sometimes people are given a choice that when you give it to them, it's really not a choice to them. No. And, and, no. That's, I, and that's what's happening here. It absolutely is happening there. Avita has a choice. But she really has no choice. And what has to happen, though, for her to become a mambo is to she actually becomes the bride of um, of the is it the oh, I've, I've lost the word. Uh, Papa Lagba. Like she has to become the bride of a Lagba. So in my family, we call that choice, not choice thing, something you do when you are voluntold. To do something. So I get voluntold to go help friends and whatever move yeah. houses and all that sort of stuff all the time. Yeah. So she goes through a marriage ritual 
and Tandy is trying to get Ty to return. His indecision means that Evita has time to finish her wedding. And everyone is pushed out of the place, uh, the that inside of his cloak. Um, and Tyrone tries to like you know take her hand, take Evita's hand, and she pulls away from him. Um, she's she's made this spiritual wedding kind of thing going on, and it's happened. Hmm. So there's there's repercussions for what. This episode, there's a there's a lot of consequences in this episode. Yes, a lot. It's going to be interesting to see what the next end of the season, because this is that that sort of not necessarily right, not necessarily the finale, but right before the finale. That's putting all the people in the place. Yeah. And places. The, the last group of people is Andre and Leah. And Andre has serious headaches. He promises it's the last time, but he needs Leah. He needs her hope. And so we have this. This is the last transaction. Like all of all of our characters here are making these transactions. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so popping quarters. Yeah. Leah is not happy about this, but she lets him. And man, this is just. This, this is, is classic abusive behavior. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, like it's the last time. I I promise it's the last time, but I just need it. Run and pushes her into it. He starts feeling better. Uh, the Vive door in the record store was still not open for him. But oh, this so they're not the last group because Mayhem and Bridget are happen to walk by the record store when he's in there, and um, so Bridget is pulled away by Mayhem. But yeah, so. Yeah, she's she's gone now because Andre, he realizes that the Vive could be music as he's looking at it, like in a picture, and he leaves Leah behind on the side of the road as he drives away, feeling fine. His migraine is gone. This guy is an upstanding citizen and I think deserves like the key to the city or something like that. This is bad. <laughs> he's a bad dude. He's a good. bad dude. Yeah. But he is definitely being set up as the big bad here, and they're they're mm-hmm. doing a good job of that. Doing a great job. And what's interesting is it's not a big bad Thanos big bad. It's a it's a very intimate big bad, and he is being selfish in that he needs the the memories of the that's the hope, right? It's what he needs. Mm-hmm. He yeah. needs the hope to survive, and so he he takes people, you know, very. Very specifically, he's not going to stamp his fingers and wipe out half the population. He's just going to take one by one, you know, outliers. And that's, again, a small screen thing, and it works very well. Yeah. Well, it works in a a dramatic situation where we're telling a story about, you know, characters who are going through dramatic things. Um, And then there's Mayhem and Bridget, who they chat. And it's nice. And now, okay, is she talking to herself? Yeah. yeah. Okay. She's talking to her other half and they merge together. And basically Bridget says, I need mayhem to catch Andre. And I don't want to put you in a box, but I do need you to listen sometimes. So there's still a transaction here. There's a deal going on where she's saying, I'm going to let you drive, 
but you got to listen to me sometimes. Come on. M.A.M.'s, okay. <laughs> so they're together so, and they got green fingernails. Is this like when the um, half white, half black face guy listens to the half black, half white face guy in Star Trek? No, this is actually more akin, I think, to um, Captain Kirk's angry side in the transporter accident. Oh, that's right. You know, that's right. The merging together the with his. Yeah. yeah. I forget the yeah. name of that episode. <laughs> yeah. Not the greatest, but Shatner puts on some good performances and that's one of them. Kind of. <laughs> it's 60s television. Is yeah. what that is. <laughs> it is. And 60s television acting is different. The other thing that happens here is Tandy returns to mom and sees something this, horrifying. Yeah. I I blame Tandy a little bit for this one. You, you do? I do. I mean, I understand that the mom has her own choices and all that sort of stuff, but it, the mom was making a lot of good strides to to fix things. And Tandy sort of stomped on that, you know, when she said, mom, you just leave. I don't know that I would have thought. Yeah. 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 I don't know that I would have thought that when I was not a parent, but now you, you do a lot of things. You sacrifice a lot for your children. I don't know if you stay in horrible situations for them, but if you don't classify it as horrible, well, yeah. And when you're in the middle of something like that, it's it's hard to say I'm going to get out of it. And, mm-hmm. and we've talked about this a lot. Mm-hmm. It's it's, well, it's come it keeps up a coming lot. Up. Yeah. Yeah, but Tyrone gives her I think it's, this might be the last line of the episode, but he says we're going to get him. You know that? We're going to mm-hmm. get him. And this is a friend giving hope to a friend. Because you can borrow people's courage. You can. And and a good friend is someone who is able to loan you that courage. And what I like about this show is that not only do they show the friends borrowing the courage from the friends and, and sharing in the despair and then sharing in the hope, but they're also friends. You know, they're not they're not romantic. They're, they're friends. They're true friends who just happen to be a boy and a girl. Well, anything else before I launch into some feedback here? No, it's another good episode of Cloak and Dagger. I, I'm again just there's so much. They're they're using the the medium of visual storytelling to great success. And I really enjoy watching these. There's so much to sit and, and rewatch and and go back through and and the plot is pretty simple, right? Get the bad guy, but the the execution is very intricate and very well thought out and very planned. Yeah, yeah, and very exciting and and interesting. Mm-hmm. And I I gush I know over Cloak and Dagger, but it's fantastic. Is this is it? Is the comic in that same sort of 
visual style. So if, if they were to say, have a situation where they needed to play a video game in the comic, would it, would a even that happen? But could they, would they have the license to cut back and forth and do something similar? Well, I mean, they did some artistic things with, with the, the series, but this is very different than the comic. Okay. Very different. But it's funny you'd bring up the comic because Agent David wrote in. And uh, the th- the subject line is Cloak and Dagger, Season 2, Episode 7, Viking Town, Viking Town Sound. And uh, he says, Agents, wow. That's my first thought having just finished this episode. It is very clear the showrunners are very familiar with the comics of my lo- my youth. The fight scenes at the end as the heroes worked their way around the building to meet in the middle was absolute payoff for watching to this point. These scenes were straight off the comic page. While still being honest to the character development they've taken us through so far, the slow-mo triple knife throw is probably the most iconic image anyone who has read the series would remember, and I had to pause and replay it to make sure I had just seen what I thought and enjoy the payoff. Very excited to see where they take us from here. And I hadn't even thought about that, that this is, I think, the first time we see that triple dagger thing happening. Um, but she would throw the daggers, you know, and it's, it's like it's almost like they're coming from each spot between her fingers where she's able to like hold those knives and let them go. Um, and yeah, my, I mean, for my youth, cloak and dagger was limited to the ads in my GI Joe and star Wars comics. Uh, and my occasional star or Spider-Man comics. Um, it wasn't until college that I discovered the cloak and dagger comics and bought like a full run. I found the, the bag that the full run came in. It was five bucks for a full run of volume three of, of cloak and dagger. And yeah, so I, that's, you know, college is when I really dove into Cloak and Dagger. But yeah, that three dagger thing, like, that was cool. I mean, they were doing the stuff. They were, they were having the superhero battle. Well, I was going to say that battle in that Viking Town, Viking, was it the Viking Town Motel or just Viking, the Viking Town Sound is the, uh, the title name. episode. And then Viking Town was the name of the hotel, I think. So there's actually a Viking hotel in a town that I drive through every day. That's funny. <laughs> and every day I go, no, that's that's not it. Um, that being said, this that was their first superhero moment, and that was awesome to see on screen. Even though I didn't have a bunch of the comic background, it was still cool to be like, look, they're being superheroes. Yeah, well, that's where I was. I wasn't noticing this the this reference to the comic books. Mm-hmm. Now the video game, I was, but yeah, yeah, the video game's a little bit more blatant, <laughs> a lot more blatant. <laughs> uh, I mean, because it's just coming straight out and saying, you know, hey, this is the uh, the comic book origin. Mm-hmm. So, all right, um, Agent Dylan, Cloak and Dagger, two seven, Viking Town Sound. Uh, agents, please, please, please don't let Chantel be dead. Sorry. Really am. Um, then he, I tried buddy. But yeah, that was, that was me. Yeah. Then he says, I guess Ty and Tandy are the Fitzsimmons of new Orleans. Huh? And, uh, yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way, but totally. Yeah. 
And then he says, one thing I'm actually wondering is, especially now that we know they never found Billy's body, did they ever find Nathan's? Andre's got to have a counterpart, right? Someone who, someone else who was in the water. I'm just saying, Lord of Light, Agent Dylan signing off. Hashtag trip lives. Now, I'm not going to get into too much detail here about the Lord of Light, but um, in the comics, Nathan Bowen is kind of a bad guy. You know, and they're not they're not shying away from that brush either. You know, she especially Tandy sees him as a knight in shining armor where his armor's a little bit crumpled in some spots and has a little bit you know, scuffed over there and, and all that sort of stuff. Maybe he's missing like, you know, a shoulder pad or something. So yeah, she sees him for more of what he really is. Or was, yeah. rather than a, um, you know, the, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm really curious about this possibility here, though, because you did have Tandy and Ty. They came out together. Uh, mm-hmm. They have the powers and everything like that. Then you have Andre getting powers from the same accident as them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mayhem is connected to them, but she split out into two herself. Mm-hmm. And so the possibility of Nathan not being dead, but possibly well, being some sort of superhuman bad guy somewhere. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's interesting. That's a great season three, season four villain. It's a great, great. season two finale reveal. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Cause especially she's going through a lot of stuff with, her mom, her dad, that relationship kind of reconciling it in her mind. And she's going to come to a place. This is agent David, right? This was agent Dylan talking about uh, agent Dylan. Nathan, yeah. She's going to come to a place where she's, um, she's, she's okay. And then agent Dylan calls it and he says, Lord of light. I don't know who the Lord of light is in the comic books, yeah. but you know, it doesn't sound good. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Um, but I I hadn't thought about that. I mean, I thought about Nathan in the sense that, yeah, in the comics, things happen with her dad. But I hadn't thought about him in the context of that because they were doing such different things. But now that he brings that up in light of Andre, like if they defeat Andre in season two, which I'm assuming they're going to, um, is there a... You know, will will the specter of of Nathan rise? So, uh, finally, on uh, Facebook, we got a message from uh, Agent Dave. So I don't know if this is the same. It's not the same. Uh, this is Agent Dave, and he said <laughs> the video game scenes in Cloak and Dagger episode two or a uh, season two episode eight. So he's actually talking about this episode that we just had. Reminded me of Surf Ninjas. Surf Ninjas? I've yes. never heard of that video game. I, it's not a video game. It's a movie. And I have heard of this movie. I have not seen this movie. And when I watched the YouTube clip that he sent, I realized I am glad that I have not seen <laughs> this movie. Um, oh, what is the name of... Oh, okay, so the actors in Surf Ninjas. I'm looking it up right now. I'm... It's It's got a... Oh, 
Is that the one with Leslie Nielsen? No, no. It's got the karate guy from a movie when I was a kid. Okay, Ernie Race Jr. is in this movie. Uh, and then there's <laughs> Rob, Rob Schneider. Schneider. <laughs> that's that's the name I was trying to dig out that I couldn't until I got to IMDb. It's from 1993. And Leslie Nielsen. He is in it. He is? That's okay, what? I've not seen the movie. I watched the clip that he sent me. And I'm looking at the poster. I mean, he's right there being, yeah. Oh, <laughs> there he is under, under the surfboard. Tone Loke is in this? <laughs> this sounds like a work of cinematic genius. 1993. And... This movie came out uh, my freshman year of college. And which is why I, I did not see it. Uh, the clip, though, it, it is like they're they're actually doing fighting in real life. And then there's a kid playing a handheld video game. And um, according yeah. to Wikipedia, a video game was also developed and released in conjunction with the film. Hmm. Well, maybe the video game he was playing in the film. I am never going to watch this movie. I I, <laughs> I, that's, I watched the clip. That was enough. I, <laughs> and. and and yes. New Line. So again, from Wikipedia, New Line Cinema and Sega of America established a financial relationship in which a Sega Game Gear video game, US and PAL versions, would be developed for the game, for the film. Game designers began developing the video game Surf Ninjas when the film was only in the scripting stage. That's really interesting. I mean, the movie may not have been great, but. Well, that was Sega trying to like capitalize on like the, the Wiz, yeah. the wizard. Where, uh, you know, yes. you had a uh, Fred Savage and his brother with the power glove. Lo- yes. And Mario three was launched out of that movie. Yes. Um, Cause that was, a, that was actually a plot point in the movie where his brother is this savant on Mario two and Mario super Mario, but super Mario brothers three, he had never played before. And at the video game finals, they they pull out Super Mario Brothers three, and so he, I know. he yeah he can't do the trial and error and memorize the game and but he still gets the warp whistle. <laughs> yep. Hey man, he. Hey. I I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that movie was and, at a point in my life where I was old enough to be really cynical about it, and <laughs> and I think we've talked about that movie on this show before. I'm pretty sure we have. Because I remember talking, I drove past, we're driving on the way to Palm Springs or something, and I drove past the big dinosaurs out in the middle of the desert, and I was like, and we just kept driving. Yeah. Well, (laughs) with all that said. (laughs) Video games are cool, kids. Don't let your parents tell you otherwise. They're cool, but you also need to engage with the real world. That's a true statement. All right. <laughs> so any final words? Yes. I just want to thank um, the, all the people who send in feedback. You guys make the show worth it. And um, want to thank all of our Patreons. I don't know their names, but I'm glad that they're there. And thank you guys for listening. And I want to thank everyone who left uh, reviews for us. <laughs> after last episode, which is not the intention uh, where I was not 
fishing for for reviews, but we did get a couple of, of very very kind reviews. I really really appreciate that. Uh, we got one from M Dixon and one from Tommy Wall, and I really really appreciate the, the reviews. Thank you so much for doing that. And <laughs> yeah, and then also to our patreons. So thank you very much, and thank you everyone so much for for listening. So you know, Stuart. We're coming up yeah, on bet. 300 episodes, man. 300. That's true. We're coming up on that. And it just got me thinking, you know, reminiscing about the day that uh, I contacted Daniel and I said, hey, let's let's do this podcast. And he said, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I really don't like you, Ben. Like, I, I really don't like you. I just, whenever I think about you, I feel just intense hatred and anger. And I just told him, Daniel, I don't care about your feelings. I need your help. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 Also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven, or by following us on Twitter where we are level seven pod. Thanks for joining us until next time. Godspeed. Well, in, in real life, we were actually friends then. Yeah. yeah. We we started out feuding with our... He did tell me that. Because <laughs> there was like a different podcast or something you guys were on. Or not on, but communicating over the same time or something like that. Yeah. Well, we, we both did a religious sci-fi podcast. Mm-hmm. So we were, we were fake feuding. And yeah. And then... You're like, hey, let's do this. And we texted each other, and next thing you knew, I had a domain and had to change the domain because the domain we chose was level seven pod, I think. And someone had already taken level seven pod and level seven podcast. So it would went to welcome to level seven. And I'm glad we did because now there's a whole bunch of podcasts out there that are called level seven this level seven that but we're the only ones who use the actual welcome to level seven phrase which i just feel like is a great phrase to say hey welcome i'm glad you're here let's talk about marvel (laughs) i think that's their post credit right there I, i think it is and so now i think i'm gonna hit stop